Man, Christ alone, cornerstone, praise his name. Could you open your Bibles uh, to Hebrews chapter 10? Hebrews chapter 10. And this morning we're going to be looking at uh, verses 11 to 18 in Hebrews chapter 10. And let me pray and ask for the Lord's blessing on our time. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much. Uh, though we can sing to you this morning, I thank you so much that you are our cornerstone, that you are solid when we feel all over the place. You are our rock, our foundation, our fortress. Lord, you're good, and we can rely on you, and we can trust in you, in your name, amen, amen. It's great, <laughs> sorry, it's just funny because we have loads of people over here, but the sun, we'll figure that out someday. We need like church sunglasses to give people. Anyway, sorry, um, yeah, don't mean to be distracting, but um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, I think, I think in the last few days, I have probably not got as many texts from people saying that they are sick. People are sick all over the place recently. I don't know if you've noticed it. And when you're sick, there's something that tends to happen when we're sick. You're kind of drained. You're groggy. You're tired. You're grumpy. Not sure if that's any of you, but you know tired, grumpy, foggy, all that kind of feeling when, when we're sick. And it's hard to kind of go through life because life doesn't stop. You're sick, you're not feeling well, but life keeps going, and there's still expectation from people on you, like the kids want stuff from you, the workplace wants stuff from you. Life doesn't stop, and you're all foggy and groggy, and, and you just feel like you can't keep going. There's many of us like that right now. But that's not only physically, that can also happen to us spiritually. That spiritually we can feel sick, down, tired, groggy. In my Christian life, sometimes I have sins that I'm dealing with constantly, and it's exhausting. And it's hard to keep going because life keeps going and I'm supposed to come in here, I'm supposed to sing the songs and do all that stuff, but I just feel weary and sin sick in my life. Maybe that's just me, but I'm sure some of us feel that this morning. I think this passage in Hebrews chapter 10 is medicine for our souls. I think you're going to feel that this morning, because as I've been looking at it this week, I've been like, Lord, I thank you for this. I needed this for my soul. That's what these verses will show us, because what these verses are going to show us is the beauty and the glory and the majesty of the new covenant, and the new covenant is medicine 
for our sick souls. So here's what we're gonna do. This week, we're going to zoom in on the new covenant and what difference the new covenant makes for our life. We're gonna zoom in on just one passage this week and look at the new covenant. And next week, we're gonna zoom out and see all of the ways that the new covenant is fulfilled. But here's the difference that the new covenant makes for us. The new covenant actually deals with our sin. The new covenant doesn't pass over our sin, ignore our sin, put our sin to the side, shove it under the carpet. No, within the new covenant, our sin is actually dealt with. Look at what it says in verse 11. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Here's what we see in the new covenant. The new covenant actually deals with our sin. Doesn't ignore it, doesn't shove it under the carpet. It actually is powerful. There's power in the new covenant. What we see first, what the, what the writer in Hebrews does, you know, it's a weird place to start in our passage. Verse 11, it begins with the word and. That's a strange place to start because you, you see the word and and you say to yourself, well, and what? What was kind of before it? And what the writer in Hebrews is, is trying to do in the whole letter of the, of the Hebrews, what he is doing is he is showing us time and time again that the old covenant was weak, but the new covenant is strong. The old covenant is powerless, but the new covenant has power. The old covenant cannot fi- fix your sin-sick soul, but the new covenant covenant is medicine for your soul. That's his point throughout the letter, and you see that in verse 11. In the old covenant, there were priests, and what do the priests do? The priest stands daily at service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which never take away sin. The old covenant could never actually properly deal with our sin. Now, the priests, I would not like to have had a job as a priest in the Old Testament. It was a busy job. They were working and standing all the time. I know you think your job is busy, but their job, I guarantee you, was busier than yours. In their work, they had to maintain the tabernacle. They had to keep it, you know, clean, all that kind of stuff. There was these, uh, this lampstand. They had to keep it lighting all the time. They had to ma- maintain the tabernacle. And you see that in Exodus 25 on to Exodus 40. They had to always bless the people, uh, the priests, in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, mediate blessing. They always had to intercede for the people, pray for the people. Numbers 16.44. They always had to teach the people the laws that they were doing. Leviticus 10.8. They had to judge for the people in Deuteronomy 17.8. They had to maintain the people's purity in the purity laws in Leviticus 11-15. They had to conduct all of the feasts and all of the festivals in Leviticus 23. 
and they are to manage all the people's givings and tithes in Deuteronomy 18.21. They are to do all of this work. It was a busy job. But you know what the busiest job for them was? The busiest work that they had were the offerings because it never, ever stopped. In Leviticus chapters 1 to 7, we are told of the offerings that they had to offer up before the Lord. They had to offer the burnt offerings. The priests had to offer the burnt offerings. These were like whole animal offerings where the whole animal was burnt up and people would bring that whole animal. It was a very costly offering and they would bring it as an offering of thanksgiving. That's a burnt offering. Then there was this grain offering, which often accompanied other offerings, and, and the grain offering was like you'd bring this kind of like cake thing, and you, you would burn that before the Lord, and it was like a thanksgiving offering for the food that the Lord has provided for you. That was the, that was the grain offering. The next offering was the peace offering. The peace offering was an offering that was given um, kind of in order to encourage your communion and your communication with the Lord. Now, those first three offerings, they were voluntary offerings that God's people were to bring. But the next two offerings, they were mandatory. The fourth offering that the priests had to give was the sin offering. Every time there was sin in your life, to bring an offering. Guess what? The priests, they were busy. They were busy with that offering because there was a lot of sin in people's lives. And then there was the guilt offering. The, the, the sin offering was offered for intentional sin. The guilt offering was offered for unintentional sin. Sin that you don't really even know that you have. You need to give that offering. These priests, they were busy. If you think about that, you sin in your life. You have to keep offering again and again, offering after offering after offering after offering. And these priests were standing daily. And that's the emphasis of verse 11. The priest stands daily. It never stops. Repeatedly, it never stops. The same type of offering, it never stops. Day after day, they had to continue to bring these offerings, not only for the people, but also for themselves. These priests themselves were bringing these offerings. They were busy. Now here's the kicker. They were so busy doing all this work, and guess what? What does it say at the end of the verse? The sacrifices which could never take away sin. I'm doing all of this work. I'm doing all of this work, and it can never take away sin. There is no job satisfaction in being a priest. All of this work. And it does nothing to take away sin. Hebrews 10.4 says this, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. The old covenant could never properly deal, never properly handle your and my sin. But the new covenant, 
the new covenant in Christ is entirely different. Verse 12, but, see that? That's wonderful. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand. So compare his work to the priest's work. Christ does what? He brings the offering. So Christ is a priest, but Christ is a better priest. And not only does Christ bring the offering, but what else do we know about Christ? That Christ not only brings the offering, but Christ is the offering. And Christ, He doesn't have to bring many offerings every single day. It is one offering once for all that deals with sin all the time. Every sin of yours, past, present, and future, that makes him a better priest and a better sacrifice. But there's more. Because this priest, he is not standing, as verse 11 says. He is doing what? He is sitting down. Why is he sitting down? Because the work is finished, it's done. It's over. That's the power of the new covenant. So many days, I work and I work and I work. And do you work? And you're just exhausted. At the end of the day, what is it you want to do when you're absolutely exhausted? I want to sit down. And you sit down because the work is done. Christ is now sitting down because, brothers and sisters, the work is done. Now, where is he sitting? Where is he sitting? He's sitting the right hand of the throne of God. He is sitting on a throne, which makes him the better offering, the better priest, and the better priest king. This is our Jesus. And the whole Bible is pointing to him, King Jesus. Brothers and sisters, you and I need this King Jesus. We feel sick and weary from our sin. If that's how you feel this morning, turn to King Jesus. He will provide this medicine for your soul that you need. And he sits now at the right hand of the throne of God as our great priest king. The new covenant deals with our sin. And there's something else that the new covenant does. The new covenant sanctifies sinners. Look at verse 14. For by a single offering, not many offerings, not repeated offerings, not day by day offerings, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. What this tells us is a great truth, that in the new covenant, us sinners were sanctified. Now, there's two things that happen in relation to our sanctification. We are sanctified now, and we are being sanctified Look at verse 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. And by that will, 
we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Imagine if daily you had to offer sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, and then Jesus comes and says, it's over. It's done. Once for all. Which means for you and me, we have been sanctified. That's a word that tells us we have been made holy. We have been set apart for God's purposes to live for him. We have been sanctified. But then verse 14 tells us something else about our sanctification. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Now, some translations will solve that problem. I have been sanctified and being sanctified. If I can just get nerdy for just two seconds. It's, in some translations, in verse 14, it still says you have been sanctified. But the reality of the tense of these verbs in verse 10, it is perfect tense, and in verse 14, it is present tense, which talks about it in this way, that it is continuing. So yes, I have been made holy, but God is still working on me. Is that true for you? God's still working on you, right? I I hope that's true. He's still working on me. But then the beautiful thing about verse 14 is this. Verse 14 says, For by a single offering, He has perfected you forever, for all time, those who are being sanctified. So here's the truth. Here's what I'm getting at. Right now, you stand before God, perfected forever, for all time. And yet at the same time, you're still being worked on and you're still being sanctified. That's what the new covenant does. So, so how does that work? How does that actually practically work? Here's, here's kind of how it works. I wonder, do you have a team and you want that team to win a trophy? I have a few teams that I want to win trophies. They'll never win them, but you want them to win, you want them to win trophies. And Ireland recently, Ireland came this close, didn't they? I mean, quarterfinal, if you call it this. But we, we were close to actually winning a trophy. Now, I want you to imagine, just for a second, let's imagine that Ireland could win something. Let's imagine that we won that trophy. What would happen at the end of that game? At the end of that game, if, you, if we won that final, at the end of that game, what would you do? We would go mad. The Irish are good at one thing, going mad. We would go absolutely crazy. We would celebrate. The game would be over. We would have won, except what happens after the game? You celebrate, but there's this time between the celebration and the lifting of the trophy, isn't there? You've won. The game is over. You're celebrating. It's done, but you haven't yet lifted the trophy. So it is with us in Christ. In Christ, we've won. We can celebrate. It is done. When God looks at us in Christ, there is a true and real perfection. But we're still waiting for the final day, right? 
where we receive the crown of righteousness. We're still waiting for that final day. And until then, what's happening to us? You and me, we are being sanctified. God is refining us. He is changing us. He's dealing with our sin. The new covenant sanctifies sinners. But there's more to the new covenant than this. In the new covenant, hearts are changed. In the new covenant, those who have believed and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, their hearts are changed. Look at verse 15. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. In the new covenant, we are given new hearts. Now there's one thing just I want to point it out because I think it's really important. In verse 15, notice what he says. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, saying. I just want to take a side and say, that's really important to notice that. Before he quotes Jeremiah 31, he is saying, the Holy Spirit says. And then he quotes Jeremiah 31. The writer in, the Hebrews, in Hebrews also does this in chapter 3, verse 7. Before he quotes Psalm 95, he says these words, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... And then he quotes Psalm 95. Why do I say this to you this morning? Because for you, if you ever want to hear the Holy Spirit speak directly to you, where do you need to go? Right here. Right here. That's what the writer to the Hebrews is saying. The Old Testament is the Holy Spirit speaking. I don't need to put this aside and say, Holy Spirit, please speak to me. I wish you'd just talk to me. I wish you'd communicate to me, Holy Spirit. No, it says every time I open this, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. That's good. Now, what is the Holy Spirit saying to us this morning? The Holy Spirit, He is saying to us this morning that in the new covenant, you and I, we have new hearts. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he had a tough job. He had to preach to people who were stubborn and who would not change their ways and who were sinful and who were following after idols day after day. And so God said of the people in Jeremiah chapter 17, God says this of the people. Their heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. In Jeremiah, 
the people had a problem. They worshiped idols. Why did they worship idols? Because their hearts were desperately deceived. Their hearts were desperately wicked. And God comes in, in Jeremiah 31. He gave them a law that their broken and desperate hearts could not follow. And God steps in and he gives them the promise in Jeremiah 31. And he says, well, if you can't do it, I'm gonna do it. I'm going to give you a new heart. And so in Jeremiah 31, he says these words, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, my old covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. God says, I'm done with you not being able to keep my commands. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write it on your hearts and I'm going to give you a new heart. And Ezekiel talks about it this way. In Ezekiel, God says this. Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove, I, God, I will remove the heart of stone. And I will give you a new beating heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And then God says, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. At which point I kind of go, well, what are we actually doing then? He's waking us up, he's putting our heart, and he's causing me to do it. Incredible. When I think of hearts, um, I think of the first time I heard that my child's heart, heartbeat. Matteo Santana have been able to celebrate that recently. The heart beating, that sound that you hear. It's life, isn't it? It's a wonderful and beautiful and glorious sound. Sometimes I think that we as human beings think spiritually we're born with a heartbeat that can be heard. We just need God to come in and and spruce it up a little bit and give my heart a little bit more strength. That's not the way we were born. Spiritually, our hearts, our inner being, who we are, flatlined. Flatlined. Without God, spiritually speaking, our hearts are stone. We're dead. So what needs to happen is God needs to do an operation on our hearts. It wasn't like I needed him to just make me feel better. I was literally lying on the table dead, flatlined. And God comes in and says, this dead person can't obey anything that I call them to do. So here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to open up their chest, take out the heart of stone, put in a heart of flesh, and cause them to obey and follow me. That's the beauty and the glory of the new covenant. We get new hearts. That should change our view and our perspective on ourselves. Because here's what I think. Do you ever self-talk to yourself? You know, like, it would be embarrassing if people heard the conversations I say to myself, but I do. And often we self-talk to ourselves and we say stuff like this. My heart, it's just deceitful. My heart, it is wicked. My heart, it is evil. Brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, your heart is none of those things. Your heart is new. It's none of those things. You are a new creation, Paul says. The old is gone. Behold, new has come. New creation, new heart, new life. It's beating. Yes, you have the influences of sin on your life. Yes, you're, you are being sanctified. But you are a new creation in Christ. And that should change how you view yourselves. Brothers and sisters, it's not because of you. It is all because of Him. It is all a work of Christ. So no, now your heart is not by its core deceitfully wicked. No, you are new in Christ Jesus. Under the influence of sin and the flesh and the devil, yes. But a new creation. Destined. Destined for heaven. That's a glorious truth. Where would we be without the new covenant? And then there's more. There's one more picture of this new covenant and what it brings. It not only changes our hearts, but with the new covenant, there is full and final forgiveness. Verse 17. Then he adds, and I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. You know, there's something you need to know about God. Here's the thing you need to know about God. God never forgets. God's not sitting up there saying, oh, well, I've forgotten all their sins. God never forgets. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He remembers and knows every one of your sins, past, present, and future. So what does He do? He, he chooses, decides, determines to say, I'll remember it against you no more. I will no longer keep any record of any of your sins. Here's what I'm going to do, the Father says. I'm going to take your sins and I'm going to nail them to the cross. Done. Full, final forgiveness. That tells me something. God's not like us, is he? I not only remember sins of others, but I usually keep the record. Do you keep the record? It's kind of like some people in my life, they're always on a yellow card and I'm just waiting to give the red. 
There's always a record. I'm always keeping it. Praise God, that's not what he did with us. He's forgiven us. He's nailed it to the cross. He keeps no record of our wrongs. It's done. It's finished. It's final. That's really good news. I do wonder, I think in our Christian lives, we can tend to be busy a lot. Uh, and I'm that way. And sometimes I wonder, is there a part of us that's trying to earn the forgiveness? I know it logically and theologically, but I wonder, is there a part of me that's kind of running around like the priests, always standing, always doing this and always doing that and hoping that by the end of all my works that God is going to feel better because of all that I've done? No, because of Christ, He looks on you as perfect. Your sins are forgiven. Brothers and sisters, there's no more offering to bring. It's done. No matter what I do, it's finished. And so what does that do for me? It changes how I live, doesn't it? I want to serve him and I want to live for him. This is the great and glorious new covenant. In it, our hearts are changed and we are fully and finally forgiven. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your death on the cross, that you are the perfect sacrifice. You are the great high priest, and you are the king who has sat down at the right hand of the throne on high. And I pray, Lord, that you'd remind us of that truth, that we are new creations. And I pray if there are those here this morning that haven't trusted you, that they will take a moment to ask you to create in them a new heart. Pray this in your name. Amen.